millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. This week I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening. And last but very means least, Paul Field. Evening, fellas. As we adventure into our Oscars preview podcast, where we have a look at all the films up for the big awards at the upcoming Oscar ceremony and tell you what we think and what we want to win each award, as well as having a look at what the bookies are predicting. And we've also got some reviews of some new releases um, including John Wick 2 and The Great Wall. Um, I'm going to start off with the quiz, where Owen is winning 2-1, and it is very close to making me watch something as bad as Essex Space Bin. Uh, I don't think I can think of anything as bad as Essex Space Bin to force you to watch, but Paul is here. Paul is our resident bad film recommender, well, so I might end up turning to to Paul for some advice. We'll see, if I win, of course. We'll, um, we'll see. We might have something lined up there. We'll see how the quiz goes. Yeah, promise it. Um, so the quiz, basically, because we're doing our Oscar predictions this week, I've gone back and had a look at some old um, Oscar winners and nominations and that kind of thing. So the quiz is, effectively, you just have to tell me which of the three films I'm giving you the option for uh, received the most Oscar nominations that year. Okay, so it doesn't matter which one won. In fact, some of the categories don't even have the winner in them. I just want you to tell me which of the three received the most nominations. So, Steve, do you want to go first? Okay. So, 2015, you've got, last uh, two years ago, uh, was Mad Max Fury Road, The Revenant, or Spotlight, the film that received the most Oscar nominations? The Revenant. Is correct. Yes. I know. Yep. Do you know how many it received? <laughs> Nine. Twelve. Not far. Not far off. Mad Max got 10 and Spotlight, the actual best picture winner, only got six nominations. So, Paul, Brooker, you're up next. And as you probably guessed, 2014 for you guys. I didn't guess that at all. Mm, imagine. Uh, Birdman, The Imitation Game or The Theory of Everything? Oh, God. Oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> Just fuck off. Which would have got technical. None of those. Well, Birdman, probably. I, I, I'm useless at this, so I'm... Go on, you can guess. Don't, don't fucking... Yeah, wait to see what Paul suggests and then pick one of them that isn't that one, basically. Don't, don't rely on me. I'm never going <laughs> to... Jesus. What, what, what were they again, Owen? It's a You've Birdman, got... Theory of mm-hmm. Everything. And The Imitation Game. The Imitation... Oh. I think it's The Imitation Game. Cause... Yeah. Um, do we go Birdman? Mm. No, yeah, go on. Go on. No, yeah, Birdman. Fuck it. 
is correct. Yeah, yes. Birdman. <laughs> Birdman got, yeah, well done, Paul. <laughs> Birdman got nine. Um, the Imitation Game got eight nominations, so just one less. Weirdly, I thought the Imitation Game just disappeared out of all existence, but nope. And The Theory of Everything got five nominations, somehow. Um, Eddie Redmayne, that's how. Yeah, basically, yeah. Steve, 2013 for you, and you've got Dallas Buyers Club, 12 Years a Slave, and Gravity. Gravity. That was, yeah, that's true. That's the correct answer, Gravity. And do you know how many that got? Probably about 15, because it was all probably every single technical award going it was up for. Yeah, basically. Well, you got 10. So, yeah, it was uh, one more than 12 Years a Slave and uh, Dallas Buyers Club, and he got six. Yeah, I say only. That's still quite a high number. Brooker, Paul, 2012. <coughs> You've got Life of Pi, Silver Linings Playbook, Ooh. or Argo. Ooh. Don't let me down, guys. Come on. I'm thinking costumes, thinking cinematography. Oh, I don't know. Sorry, was it Life of Pi? Life of Pi, yep. Silver Linings Playbook, or Argo? Hmm. I I don't think it was Silver Linings. No, no. I think Silver Linings got the big ones, but only got a few. Quite, yeah, it was quite indie, wasn't it? So it wouldn't. Maybe we didn't pick up in the technical, like and the cinematography costumes. Oh, Life of Pi. Do you think? Life of Pi would have got all the technical ones. All of them must be Life of Pi. Go on then. To all Life of Pi it is. It won 11 nominations. I've, I don't think I've ever got two right on the quiz before. <laughs> what is going You're on? You're on a roll. You're on a roll. Life of Pi got 11. Silver Linings Playbook uh, was next with eight. And then Argo got seven. Okay, Steve. 2011. Was it the... <clears throat> excuse me. Was it The Help? Hugo? Or The Muppets? Bloody hell. <laughs> What was the Muppets doing being nominated? <laughs> um, Hugo. It was Hugo, yeah. Um, the Muppets was a bit of a curveball. It got one nomination for something or other. Probably a um, song or something. Yeah. The best, Help got best, best Puppets. Ricky Gervais appearance. Best Puppets, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Help got four. Hugo got 11. It was wow. a pretty, yeah. Fuck, we're under pressure here, Brooker. Yes. Don't fucking say that. Uh, and I think this is probably the toughest one out of the oh, lot as well. Oh, oh, oh. I've done this. Well, thank you badly. ever so much. Yeah, I've screwed myself, basically. Uh, 2010, was it Toy Story 3, Black Swan, or Inception? Oh. You see, Black Swan would have been getting one of the <clears throat> writing ones, would have been getting costumes, would have been... Mm. Oh, God. But then Inception, I think, about I think, all the effects. Yeah, I think that the, the same rules apply. I think in, uh, Inception takes all of the technical stuff. It's got yeah. to be Inception. It is Inception. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, Inception got eight nominations. Uh, Black Swan and Toy Story 3 both got five. So we're on to a tie break. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, we've got... You know, I've given you, like, the film so far, how many nominations they've got. So I think you could probably predict how many nominations that Hurt Locker and Avatar collected. 
between them so in 2009. How many so, nominations? Yep. In total for those two films. Avatar and Hurt Locker. And you can shout out random numbers. I'm going to say 21. Fucking hell. It's incorrect. <laughs> Steve, do you want to go? 16. <gasps> incorrect. Brooker? 12. No. Can we carry on? 19. <laughs> no. 17. No. 19. 11. No, no. 25. Nope. 9. Oh my god, no. <laughs> uh, 14. No. Do you want a higher or lower each time? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay, just keep shouting numbers. Keep Eight, going. 18. Correct. Steve's yeah. one. Fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Not unhappy with that. We got all of us right. Yeah. yeah. It still means that Owen could end up watching something. Truly, truly awful. <laughs> you realise that Owen's still relying on us next week as well, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're back next week. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hurt Locker and Avatar both received nine nominations each. The, uh, Avatar got the same number of nominations as the Hurt Locker, in other words. But Hurt, Hurt Locker got none of the technical stuff. Mm. Yeah, so that um, makes sense. You, you and Avatar took everything. I am very surprised to think Avatar got nine nominations. Yeah, all the technical stuff, aren't there? Best blue people. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Well, I hope yeah. if we hang it out for another week, we may, may just get the release of um, Gatwick Gangsters. <laughs> I know at least one of you, 100%, is going to be watching. It looks possibly, bearing in mind we've seen some terrible films on this podcast, The wor- it's certainly the worst cast I've ever seen. Gary Bushel from The Sun... Bobby George, the darts player, Willie Thorne, the snooker player, and our old mate Dave Courtney, along with over 340 other cast members, in a film by a first-time director, first-time editor, first-time everything, this is looking to be an absolute car crash of epic proportions, and I can't wait for one of you two fuckers to watch it. It's just... It's, I'm not going to, I'm just, no. If you go I'm to the website, to it's just a picture of the poster, and at the top it says, the trailer will be released on the day the film is. That's wow. <laughs> <sighs> How bad can it be that they won't release a trailer? And they're going to charge people for this. People are going to have to buy a fucking DVD. Oh, mate, don't worry about that. I've got that covered. Oh, uh, what, you've, you're in it? Is it you've got a free yeah, copy? I'm, 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 I'm actor number 346, <laughs> second security guard. <laughs> yeah, and how much did you have to pay to be in it? Everyone in it thing. must have paid. How, how mm-hmm. they've got that many people in a low-budget film for a first-time filmmaker is utterly bonkers. I don't, I don't understand how the project could even have come about. You know, I am kind of intrigued by it because it... To me, it Don't sounds... Be, that's how it starts. Yeah, but there's like... <laughs> but there's like... Um, there is an intrigue about what... What is it? How does it get made? Who's behind it? I would love to see a documentary about the making of it, uh, but read, not actually watch it. Have you actually read the, 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 the kind of tagline? A tale of love, intrigue, crime, passion, espionage, and more importantly, a veritable work of art, transcending zeitgeist to join the pantheon of the gods in eternity. Oh, my God. I mean, I hate to judge a film before I've even seen it. But, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) 
I, yeah. I should, I, I've got to point out on the if you go to IMDb and find the film, um, mm-hmm. you know you have the trivia page. Yeah. The person who's made this doesn't really understand the concept of the trivia page, where there might be some weird little foibles, something that happened in production. No. They've written, lots of the cast enjoyed the catering, but some didn't. Most of the time, there was a varied menu, but on one day, there was no vegetarian option. Wow. Some of, some of the cast used their own <sighs> shoes. And in the case of one cast member who didn't own a pair of sensible black shoes, a pair was loaned to him. What I'm reading through them. These are brilliant. They're amazing. Controversially, there is not one cast member called Ross. And, and, <laughs> and only one Neil involved. <laughs> Who's that controversial for? <laughs> I, I, I actually thought this was a wind-up. I thought the whole thing was, a, you know, the, the website. Is this the something you and thing. Mullinger have put together as a joke? You, you, you'd think so. But I'm pretty fucking certain. If you go to the BBFC website, you you can see that they've seen it, certified it. <clears throat> it exists somehow. Before we go through the Oscars with you all and, and preview the big the big night, uh, we're going to review a few new releases uh, from the last week or so. Uh, Owen, first up is uh, The Great Wolf starring Matt Damon as a man in China. Matt Damon? Yeah. Not the, that's not the, uh, the Donald Trump documentary. No. <laughs> no. You read some, some things about it and it's described as like the highest grossing or not highest grossing but the most expensive chinese film ever made and then you read other things about it that says andy lau is in his first ever hollywood movie so like what the fuck is it then it's not a chinese film or a hollywood film what what is it Chollywood. basically yeah it's it's very much hollywood i think no Chollywood. oh Chollywood. you've coined that that's a, a new term it's directed by a guy whose name won't sound that familiar, Yumao Zhang, who's uh, he's Chinese, obviously. Well, but that, he's that's the, good. Yeah, he's the director of other things. He did The Flowers of War with Christian Bale. Uh, his first film was Red Star Gone, which was pretty good. But I think he's probably more well known as the guy who directed Hero and uh, House of Flying Daggers. Um, within a couple of years of each other, sort of 2002, 2004. Uh, very visual in his styles, usually. You know, there's lots of high-wire stunts. Um, it, it, it's a martial arts film, basically. The Great Wall is not what I would consider a martial arts film, and the stunts are what I would consider very tame for him. Uh, Matt Damon is a guy uh, who obviously is a guy. He gets... The time period of this, I don't know where to place it. I don't know where it's supposed to be set or when it's supposed to be set. But the the wall is built. He's a traveller. He's got an American accent. No, don't know where he's supposed to be from. Europe. Washes up. Yeah, probably supposed to be Europe. Uh, he kind of starts off with a half Irish accent, which disappears quickly. Uh, basically, he, this year's Robin Hood. Basically, yeah. He... Um, uh, he's captured the wall, being chased off by Mongolians or something, and then ends up being, being part of the army who fight off aliens. Yeah, aliens. Like, th- that's the like weird... Like actual aliens. Like things that arrived on the planet from a comet 
and it's the wall has been built specifically to keep them out of China. Oh, I just I, I hurt my eyes rolling them so much. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's, it do, it's nonsensical. Yeah. Um, the plot is just nothing. Well, it does have is it has some nice contrasting visuals to it. So you look at the uh, way it presents the army. They've got different coloured armours depending on where uh, or what role they play. And it's like there's a nice kind of saturation going on with those colours and it, they all stand out and it looks quite strong. But it's there's just, just nothing to it really, is there, Steve? No, it's just absolute crap. Nothing. It just looks stupid. It's a stupid plot. Matt Damon's trying his best. You can see, I, I don't know if they made this just because China's big at the moment for cinemas. It's all set there, but for big US, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just absolute crap waste of everyone's time. Um, up next is The Founder. <laughs> okay. Wow, just moving on. That was don't, very don't watch the film. It's absolute wank next film. It, it is. There's no point in it being made or anything. It's just is, is Matt of... Damon at least any good in it? Because I, I find that dude quite usually quite watchable, even, no. in, his, even in Bilge. No, he's, he's okay. It's all right. It just doesn't. It's not a character that has much need to be fleshed out. He just sort of is. He just is there. Up the paycheck and that's is in it. it. Yeah. What I wanted to say about it. I know Steve's very desperate to talk about the founder. Um, as, you know, I assume he was cutting us off. But basically, what I wanted to say was that is is to address some of the criticisms of it. Because there's a, there was a lot of talk about Hollywood whitewashing, right? That was the big thing. That's why this film is known so much. Is not just because Matt Damon's in it, but because it was billed as Matt Damon saves the Chinese, uh, <laughs> which isn't true. You watch the film. That's not the plot at all. You know, he's kind of subsumed by this Chinese army and plays a part in helping the Chinese defeat these aliens. But it's not. At all, Matt Damon saves the day. It's just um, complete and utter bullshit. And what it makes me, what made me think was, there is a problem sometimes with whitewashing. I completely get where people's frustration comes from. This is not a film to hold up as that. It is, for for all the Hollywoodness of it, a Chinese film. You know, from considering its funding, it's a Chinese film that just happens to have like Matt Damon and Willem Dafoe in it. Um, it is not a Americans making a film about the Great Wall and sticking Matt Damon as it's not The Last Samurai, basically. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah. So it it's not worth the aggro that it caused. Um, but yeah, it's not as bad as. Steve seems... I, I mean, I didn't think it was as bad as Steve seems to find it. I just thought it was middling. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so the next is The Founder. Um, so talk through that, members of the podcast, you've seen it. Well, I've, I've seen it, and I know Brooker has. Um, it, the director, um, John Lee Hancock, uh, he he's, uh, professionally makes boring films. Uh, he did uh, Saving Mr. Banks, which is boring. He did the Blind Side, which was boring, and he Don't did the Don't make me come down there and slap you. <laughs> yeah, which was fucking was... <laughs> boring. And lo and behold, the founder is is a, a two hour movie about real estate leasing, which is fucking boring. <laughs> what? What do you want me to say? It's really, really boring. Michael Keaton plays a guy called Ray Kroc, who effectively takes over as the founder of McDonald's. 
you've got this, these two slices who actually started the company. They're a pair of bloody wallies, but they're very, very particular about how a McDonald's restaurant should be run. They get involved with uh, Keaton's character, Ray Kroc, who franchises the restaurant around the country. And it's, it's two hours of them very gently nudging foreheads on how things should be done. And you get into the politics of milkshake mix. It's all very, uh, very exciting. Um, he turns out to be a massive cunt. There's no other way to describe him. He is a massive cunt, but he's up against a couple of plonkers. So it's, <laughs> it's not good. It really is not good. There's no story here. I'm guessing they couldn't go too into the McDonald's type mm. stuff because they're going to get sued because real estate leasing is not exciting. What did, what did you think, Brooker? I didn't think it was as bad as you thought it was. <laughs> well, no. What, in, what did in, you find that was engaging or interesting? No, 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 no. I, at no point have I said it was engaging or even interesting. Right. <laughs> no. Okay, so well, that's, that's not a good start for a drama no, about. No, okay. So, no, so let's... let's it's not a film that ever really needed to be fucking made. I don't know. Someone had the jolly idea to make a film about McDonald's, suddenly realised they can't make a film about McDonald's because McDonald's is this huge powerhouse that will sue the shit out of anybody that mentions it negatively, yeah. and decided to make this film instead. Now, I don't think... I sat watching it. I wasn't bored, but I... I did spend the entire time I was watching it thinking, why the fuck am I watching this? Mm. You know, I, it's it's not a particularly interesting story. It's about a dude who rips off two other dudes. Mm. We've seen it a million times before. Yeah, but they're but I, not particularly likable, and he's not well, particularly likable. Well, so. no, this is the thing. They don't know what they're fucking doing with their lives. They're just kind yeah. of sitting there making micro-burgers in, in 30 seconds and doing not an awful lot else. He is just a twat, and I've... Every time you could, you get a little bit, and Keaton tries so hard to make you want to care about him, and then he turns around and he's a cunt again. Well, uh, do you know what though? It, he's actually you kind of rooting for him for about three quarters of the film. Yep. And then he just be, then then he just becomes like the, this huge cunt. Yep. Huge. Absolutely. Cunt. Absolutely. And out of I, nowhere. It, and much. It, it was kind of out of nowhere as well. Like it, all of a sudden, like I want a divorce. Oh, okay. That whole love story thing made me want to... That was complete bollocks. Absolute bollocks, all of it. Didn't happen. But I just... (laughs) I No, I didn't hate it. I I didn't. I wasn't bored. I I didn't hate... I was glad I watched it, but I'm never, ever, ever going to watch it again. And after today, I'll probably never talk about it again. (laughs) I'm not even going to bother writing a review for it because my review (laughs) will be just why. I Mm. I don't understand why it was made. I sat and watched it... I didn't walk out, which has got to be something, but I will watch most shit. So it can't be that much. I don't you know. think Brooker didn't walk out is going to make the poster. Yeah. <laughs> Brooker sat through the whole thing. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> um, How can you not have hated this? You've not said one single positive or redeeming thing about this film. Yeah, but this is, this is kind of my point. It's just there. I don't hate it because there's nothing there to hate. It's just there. But you've ticked all the boxes for me to this is to to generate hate. 
It's not engaging. It's not fun. It's not interesting. Everyone's boring. It's like these are all the things that make me get really angry. How was? Can I ask, like, Michael Keaton? How was he? He was fine. Mm. He done all right. Just fine. He done no, no. He done he done well with what he had. He was playing a guy selling milkshake machines, and then a guy selling burger restaurants. He just, there mm. was, you know, there was. Didn't they labour that point though about the, how long the service took? They did, did. once. Then we, you know, they had to have the. He'd get, oh, you know, he'd, he'd be in his car outside the restaurant, and it would take them thirty minutes to bring him his food, and then they did that again, and yeah. then they did it again. It's like, yeah, we we get it. It takes a long time. The only yeah. interesting bit I found was when he first goes to a McDonald's counter, and, and he, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. He's a complete fucking. He's a, uh-huh. What? No, but I could see that. That was the only bit I actually did find engaging seeing people completely fish out of water first time they'd ever been handed their food in a bag first time they'd ever had to go to the counter to get it he's like well where do I eat it well yeah. wherever you want <laughs> but the, but the yeah. thing for me is right, you, you sit and watch it and I wanted to see how it ended I wanted to see what happened whether or not it was the, my, the thing that annoyed me about this film more than anything else I'm sick to the back fucking teeth this month of watching true fucking stories I've fucking had enough of it the but, best bit was the, the title card at the end, which told you what happened. <laughs> it was. Anyway, shall we do John Wick 2? Yeah. Seems good. Yeah. Have you seen it, Steve? I have not. No, I've not seen John Wick 1, actually. <gasps> what? That's sh- that's shocking. Right, I, wow. right hold on. I'm going to see it. I'm going to send it to you. Absolutely. Sending it to you, John Wick. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so John Wick 2 is obviously a sequel to John Wick 1, and it's been seen by a couple of users. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I can sort of lead us in. Uh, it is a direct sequel from the previous John Wick. So where the plot of John Wick 1 was an ex-hitman is forced out of retirement because some mob guys kill his dog and steal his car. That's it. That's the whole thing. He, I, I saw the, on, you know, the Honest trailers that are on YouTube? Yeah. It's literally Screen John Wick. Ones. Yeah, John Wick kills 76 people because some mob guy killed his dog. That's essentially it. I'd kill right. more. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same. Um, that A death like that could not be avenged enough. But that's essentially the continuation of this, is that he's still on a little bit of a revenge rampage to begin with, uh, makes a deal to get out of the business. So he has officially retired this time. He is completely gone. Done. Saga over and done with before the pre uh, before the the titles start rolling, um, and then of course he's dragged back into it again, based on a promise he made a long time ago. Um, he's forced to go and do something that he doesn't want to do, uh, which is to go and kill somebody who's another mob boss, and so he tells this guy who's making him do it, making him honour his promise that uh, he, he just really just wants out of the game completely now. That's it. He's put that dark past to bed. Uh, but the guy doesn't have any of it. It makes him go through with his promise. It brings out the worst in John Wick again. And he goes on... The, he does the mission. He honours his... Um, kind of. Kind, it kind of does it. He honours what he says he would do. And, and then it just turns into a proper revenge thriller again. Um, look, the plot... The plot is fine. Well, the plot is the same logical. as the plot to the first one. It's it's there specifically to give people an excuse to watch gun porn. 
it, yeah, it serves its purpose, which is to apply a narrative to link the other much stronger aspects of John Wick, which are chiefly the action scenes, right? Yeah. It, it coined the term gun fu, the first film. No, it didn't. Because, or was that hard? Equilibrium coiled? brought out. It, was, uh, was The first time I heard the word gun fu was watching documentaries on Equilibrium. Was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I've learned something new today. <clears throat> I assumed it was uh, John Wick. Um Okay, fair enough. Sorry. But yeah, so that's no, that's okay. That's fine. That's um, okay. So, but like that, the first time I'd heard it was associated with John Wick, and so uh, that's effectively what John Wick Two is: is a more elaborate, over-the-top version of the first film. And I know there are people who have disliked John Wick Two who enjoyed the first one because it is so much more. Uh, elaborate it is just over it's completely over the top um and there is less of a charming story well i say charming but there's the less of an empathetic reason to care about him i think what what john wick 2 does which the first one didn't really do was show that he is a bad guy yeah you know he john wick 2 is not a good guy he is a murderer and he's killing people because he's angry with them for not letting him get off with a promise. He promised to do something. He didn't really want to do it, but he had to do it. And now he's going to go and kill all those people because he didn't fancy doing it. You know, that's not the story of a hero. That is the story of a psychopath. But I thought it was fucking marvellous. I thought it was a heck of a lot of fun. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It it done that... It done that sequel thing that, like a lot of straight to video sequels do, where they turn everything up. You know, mm-hmm. they they just they everything is escalated, from the violence to, okay, not so much for John Wick, but like for shitty straight to video ones, like more tits, more blood, more yeah. guns. All of that gets escalated and it turns to complete shite. Whereas John Wick does it, everything gets turned up and it's fucking amazing. I was worried going in it was going to be Transporter Two. Yeah, you know, so was where I. the first. The first one, the first transporter is fantastic, and the sequel is not fantastic in the slightest. Whoa, 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 whoa. Transporter 2 is amazing. Fuck it's you, Brainside. I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, but John Wick 2 is not like that at all. It has gone over the. It has ramped up everything that made the first one entertaining, and possibly slightly losing something that made the first one great. But it's still really, really good. It's just a continuation of the the law of the first one. You've got this hotel, which is like a sacred ground where the assassins do not spill blood. You know, this this ground where they... But that's got to be... Because when, when you, you find the, the one when he goes to Rome... Yeah. And they end up in there by accident. Yes. That was amazing. It's just so... So it's so funny as well as being fun. Yeah, uh, is the thing. What I thought was um, was slightly disappointing this time. It, the bad guys were kind of weak. You know, the baddies weren't much of. A, yeah, they were very thing. Generic. Like, the, like the, you felt like there was a threat from the Russian guys in the first one. Yeah, or not even like necessarily a threat, but they they, but they had they felt uh, menacing in the first one. Whereas. This one, this is how I saw it. Anyway, they just felt like generic Italian dudes 
that were literally there as cannon fodder. Yeah, it's because there's no specific villain of sorts. No. You know, the guy is an arsehole, but he makes a point in the film that, well, he said he would do this, and so I'm making him do this thing that I can't do. I tell you that the main bad guy's biggest problem in John Wick 2 mm-hmm. was that he came on the screen after Peter Stormari was on for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's he a big problem that because he needed to be in it more. Yes, he definitely did. Um, just like... Uh, finally, I think I've made my opinion clear on this, and I'll move back onto Booker in a second. I'll let Booker talk, but I just the the one thing I want to just fit into this little section. The thing about the John Wick movies, what makes them so good, is they're refreshing. They're just like honest. They're the lead. I said on Facebook to the to, um, to someone who was who was commented on my post about it, but I said that they're just the least pompous sort of movie that it's possible to go and see in the cinema. There's absolutely no pretensions there about there having some uh, issue, you know, to, to talk about something we mentioned earlier. There's no issues that it's trying to discuss. It's not trying to raise awareness. It's not, you know, selling itself, saying, we're talking about this very serious thing. You need to see this. If you don't see this, if you don't want to see this thing that we're talking about because we're so superior and we know about this you, already. You're you clearly don't. a racist homophobe. there's nothing like that at all. It is literally just going, look, we want to make Keanu Reeves go and shoot some people. He's going to train for three months. He's going to do 98% of his own stunts in this. He's going to drive some fuck off cars. He's going to shoot some fuck off guns and he's going to hit about 70 people in the head. And it's going to look spectacular. And that's effectively what John Wick is. I love it for that reason, especially coming out in February. It's just genius. Yeah. It's the complete palate cleanser that's needed. Um, And also, it just occurred to me, the thing that I I thought was great (laughs) was having Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. That was awesome. That was a nice little nod. Yeah. But how did you feel about it then, Brooker? Have I missed anything? No, exactly the same. I I went into it. I don't think I was as worried about it as you might have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was worried though, and I thought, oh, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be a bit wank. And or the, I wasn't afraid it was going to be shit. I just thought I was going to come out disappointed. And, and I <laughs> yeah. walked out, I was like, whoa, that was, <laughs> can I go watch that again? Wow. <laughs> there we, go. we, might, have spent, lot, we yeah. might have spent more time talking about John Wick 2 than we, haven't, we were about the Oscars. Um, well, that's good. Because <laughs> John, John Wick 2 is better than any of the Oscar nominated films. I agree. Yep. I know this is like very early, but um, because we are about to talk about the Oscars, film of the year for you, Brooker? Because I know you've seen, what, 100? How many of those are new releases? Uh, probably about a third are new releases. A third of them. So of the third that you've seen, best film? John Wick is up there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of early, really good contenders, but John Wick is definitely is probably the best film I've seen so far this year. Well, so there we go. Yeah, quality. Go and watch John Wick too. For our Oscars uh, preview show, we are going to go through all the uh, main awards, eleven awards, um, and try and predict what's going to happen, as well as tell you what we want to win. Um, so we're going to start off at the bottom of our list um, with best documentary feature dash feature 
Um, and that's between Fire at Sea, I Am Not Your Negro, Life Animated, OJ Made in America, and 13th. Um, I have, in preparation for this, seen none of those. <laughs> so I am I'm going to get my um, suggestions out of the way. I'm going to say I think Fire at Sea will win, but I want 13th to win. Okay. <laughs> What's the justification for that Ones at the top, ones at the bottom of the list. <laughs> Just picking at random. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you Fair haven't enough. seen them, it's as good a good a way to pick as any, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's um, I there are some some favourites for the each of these categories that we've got, and I think Paul, you've got the actual um, bookies favourites, which we'll run through at the end once we've chosen our our picks. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I but I I think. I think OJ Made in America could do it, but I uh, like Steve. I hope it's thirteenth, but only because I have seen thirteenth, and I think it was really good. It was really educational, um, enlightening. Uh, definitely made me think about stuff that I hadn't considered previously. Um, but I, I'm fully aware that it's probably the complete opposite of the sort of documentary you normally like, Paul, because it's what you would dub an issue documentary. Is is that a fair assumption? Yes. There, mm. there have been some fantastic documentaries this year, uh, you know, either competitive tickling or furries, all of them where I get to shout, that's a sex thing at the telly. <laughs> yeah. No, these uh, are not for me. They're not. But, um, I mean, thir- I mean, I w- have you seen 13th? No, I've not seen any of them. Yeah, okay, got no interest in them no, whatsoever. I, I just, I, I, I don't need to be preached to. I, I, I just want to be entertained. There's so many amazing mm. documentaries out there, and every year the Academy ignore all of them. Yeah, they, they do tend to pick ones that have got some kind of social... Uh, I was going to say relevance, but that's not necessarily Even always weirder, true. But... The old farts who are voting for these, they never watch the documentary disc anyway. Do you don't think so? No, none of them. Mm. But, uh, okay, so what do you think, uh, Brooker? What do you think is going to win? What do you want to win? A thirteenth is going to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of want thirteenth to win as well. Yeah. <clears throat> have you seen it as well, then? I have. Uh, it's the only one I've seen, mainly because OJ Made in America is like eight hours long. Mm. Uh, and I didn't realise that it was like a five part on TV. So. Once is it I finally the got my ESPN hands on it, one? Right. Uh, it was is. It- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they put it on BT Sport quite recently, and I was like, OJ, mate, what the hell's this doing on BT Sport? And just ignored it, and then realised afterwards, ah, fuck, it was nominated for an Oscar. So it kind of felt like I should have watched it. Yeah. But you're right, it just goes, it seems quite long. I I haven't got time to sit down and watch, you know, eight hours Mm. worth of film for for the Oscar pod. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, you could, you're going to go and watch uh, Shoah afterwards as well? No. That's about nine hours long, I think. Just no. Just for the sake of it. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's a couple... I, I really kind of fancied Life Animated. That looked interesting, but I just didn't get around to it. But yeah, 13th, I was telling Paul, before we recorded, it fucking ruined my day when I watched that film. Like, I felt fucking horrible after watching mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I don't want to have my day ruined. I can do that at work. I mean, for... for <laughs> For me, I I I want Fire at Sea to win because it's the outsider, uh, but I think OJ will win, um, primarily because he's one to nine on. 
So wow. if you bet nine quid down at the bookies, you will win one pound. Brooker, if you fancy 13th, you can get five to one still. That's I would I I would want it to win just because like you know, like you say, they're all issue films of some description. I think that's probably the most poignant for this precise point in time. Oh yeah, there's a you, you watch it and think, how the fuck did we end up in this mess? And it just kind of explains it in quite a I say we. It's not about we as in no, me, the white English yes, guy. Not, not it, one of us is involved. In we're this. not. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. We could potentially have accidentally been perpetrators of it. But in fairness, it was, it, and it is an issue documentary. But I thought it was quite educational. Like, I, I had no idea that like, some of the stuff they talk about early on in the documentary. I had no idea that was stuff yeah. that actually happened. So, All the stuff about the prison system over there and the justice system. There's, I've seen like bit. It, I think actually one of the best and most enlightening things I've seen about the American prison system, particularly the way that American, uh, black American people are treated in it, is uh, the last week tonight thing that John Oliver did. Yes, which is about twenty minutes long and was just mind blowing. Yeah. So thirteenth kind of takes those those concepts and explains everything around it as well, yeah. like historically, contemporary history, like everything to do with the the whole entire situation is summed up. And I think it's fantastic documentary. Yeah. Well, I just want to say about documentaries in in general. Yeah. If you know you're an American, you're sat at home, your only exposure to documentaries is the ones that are presented during the Academy Awards ceremony, and they're mm-hmm. going to go, oh, great, they're fucking boring. Where's the entertainment? There's no entertainment here. Yeah, there's no, like, Errol Morris or Werner Herzog there or anything like that, is there? Well, it's just no, all... it's just, There's no fun at all, and I just it's all so fucking serious. Lighten up. Come on, Academy, it's, lighten up. It's pretty much the, uh, the, the whole awards this year, though, isn't it? It's just... So fucking serious. It's dry. Yeah. That's yeah. what my kids would say. Very dry. I'm sure we'll come on to that when we talk about the best pictures in a little while as well. But anyway. It's just fucking hell. And next, What's next, Steve? Next is best foreign language film. And that is between uh, Land of Mine from Denmark, uh, A Man Called Ove from Sweden, The Salesman from Iran, Tanner from Australia, and I thought they spoke English, but uh, <laughs> never mind. They're a bit odd anyway. And uh, it's a uh, ab- Aboriginal story, isn't it? Yes, I was. I was joking. It's yeah. um, obviously not in native Australian, although they do speak a bit <laughs> weird. And it's, yeah, uh, Tony Erdman from Germany. Mm. Um, again, what do you reckon then, Steve? Oh, it's, it's for me. It's got to be a, a, a man called Ove. Um, although, um, have you seen I, it, Steve? No, <laughs> <laughs> you said it with such conviction. I thought, fuck, Steve's seen a man called Ove. That's amazing. Um, uh, I, I want a man called Ove to win, but I think the salesman will. The salesman, yes, hmm, okay. Uh, again, I'm, I was gonna ask if there's any reason for that. Is there any logic, or is it just a blind pick? Just do what I want, don't I? Yep, <laughs> fair enough. Short and sweet, nice. Um, Owen, what, what what are you predicting from that one? Uh, I actually haven't seen any of these, although I know Tanner was uh, reviewed quite well by Liam. I think he loved Tanner. 
uh, and talked about it on this very podcast. In, in fact, he, he mentioned how how great a film it was. So for his sake, I want Tanner to win. I've got a feeling it's going to be um, Tony Erdman. I just think that it was uh, BAFTA nominated, I think. I think it was the only one listed there that was nominated for BAFTA. Um, so, I don't know. Just, yeah, possibly will be Tony Erdman. Has anyone, has anyone seen Tony Erdman? Nope. Have you? Yeah, I have. Um, three hours. German mm-hmm. absurdist comedy, which isn't that absurdist because... 80% of it seems to be based in like proper reality. Uh, there's one joke uh, where someone jizzes on a fondant fancy and uh, the lady eats it. Uh, and there's some, <laughs> there's, there's a few gigs later on where there's a dinner party and she opens the door naked. Other than that, I, d- I don't get it. I don't understand why, why this is, it, it's different. I'll give it that, mm-hmm. but it ain't funny. And it ain't absurdist enough to kind of keep you engaged. It's certainly nothing like, you know, for example, like Clown or Clown Forever, something like It's nothing like that. It's just weird and long and not funny. So how on earth did something like that make it into an Oscar-nominated list? I have no... Because it's different and it's got subtitles. If you're going to jizz on a fondant <laughs> you need <laughs> to have subtitles. You've got to do it in German. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know those sort of films around. Yes, anyone else with any thoughts on on that category? Which Brooker? Brooker? I'd, well, I'd like a man called Ove to win, just because I thought it was awesome. I loved it so much. I know it you was, and your missus both loved it. It was amazing. It was, you know, foreign or not, it was one of the best films I've seen so far this year. Yeah. It was outstanding. I I want it to win. I don't know. Do I be? Yeah, you know, I'll be different and say it will win. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, so that leaves you then, Paul. Yeah. Well, I want a man called Ove to win because I, I, well, I reviewed it on the show and I said it was the, mm-hmm. the best one in this year, and I, I stand by that. It still is. Um. Uh, but I think, well, it's, it's tight. This one really tight with the bookies. Tony Erdman is the tiniest favourite over the salesman, um, which I haven't seen. The only one we haven't mentioned is is um, Land of Mine, which mm-hmm. I saw ages ago. Really interesting uh, war film about clearing mines, and instantly you've got shit tons of tension there, just just by virtue of you know what they're doing. But mm-hmm. yeah, toss up Tony Erdman, the salesman. I think Tony Erdman's going to get it just because they're doing a remake. I think with Jack Nicholas. Oh right, okay. So that's possibly why mm, I think I might we're hearing it. about it now. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Next up then is best animated feature film and that is between Kubo and the Two Strings and Moana uh, that My Life is a Zucchini uh, The Red Turtle and Zootopia um, I've seen about half of these um, not seen My Life is a Zucchini must admit is that I'm fairly sure it's original title is My Life is a Courgette and they've fucking changed it for American audience. Right. It's just a best animated feature film. These don't have to be films aimed at kids, do they? They don't. Not necessarily. Just, just animated. Well, were you um, hoping for Sausage Party? Yeah. <laughs> every Saturday, yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for, for me, I think Kubo and the Two Strings will win and that's the one I want to win as well. Although I did really like Moana. Yeah. I haven't seen any of them. 
Well, you're shit this year. I've, I have really been such a I mean, bad. I, I, I never make. Watching. I never make any pretense to be good at this. But <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm always going on about how good I am at this, yeah. and to let everyone down like this, terrible. No, I um, I actually just didn't see. I didn't, didn't see Moana because I didn't want to go to the cinema to watch it. I didn't see Kubo because I did want to go to the cinema, but I, it kind of passed me by a little bit. Zootopia, I've heard lots of good things about though. Zootopia seems to be uh, the one that I've probably had or seen the most positive criticisms of. Uh, so I think that one's the one that'll probably win. Um, but as far as wanting any of them to win, don't don't really care, to be honest. I guess my life as a courgette, because we had it reviewed here from the London Film Festival when Callum saw it, just to make it more failed critics-y. But, yeah, I couldn't really give a shit about this category, to be honest. Okay. Um, Brooker? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You've got a young kid. You've seen all of these. I haven't seen My Life as a Zucchini. Course yet. <laughs> Says Zucchini on the email. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely course yet. <laughs> I haven't seen either of them. Uh, I... I <clears throat> I really liked Kubo and Moana and Zootopia. I thought they were great. I would like to see Kubo win just because it's something a little bit different and it's genuinely an excellent film. But mm, Zootopia probably wins. Yeah. Because cute bunny beats racism. (laughs) Well, Mm. I, unsurprisingly... Haven't seen any of these because, as you know, animation is for babies. babies. Uh, I originally thought Kubo and the Two Strings was a Japanese porno about a woman with two clips. (laughs) Not quite. Not. Um, Mm. Zootopia, which was the Underground Knight's biggest disappointment of the year. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I want uh, My Life as a Zucchini to win because it's got the word zucchini in the title. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, I think Zootopia is going to win. That best price one to six on um your next best value is kubo and the two strings at seven to two the rest are all out 20s 50s 40s no chance so it's a two two horse race zootopia and kubo there you go um Um, the next up on our list uh is best adapted screenplay and where i'm going to have my first moan (laughs) okay beautiful so that is between uh, Arrival, which was uh, adapted from uh, Story of a Life, Fences, um, Hidden Figures, Lion, and Moonlight. Um, I have yet to see Moonlight because I don't believe it's been released yet. If it has, it's had a good yes. enough... It, it, it came Friday. out on Friday. Has it? It doesn't appear to be showing um, near me at the moment, which may also be the problem with Fences. Now, the reason I've not seen Fences is that even though it's been released... None of the cinemas in my local area um, are showing it. And I had a look. Um, so I, I um, have a Cinema World Unlimited card, so that was obviously the priority. There's two near me and one a bit further out at a push. Um, none of them are showing it. I have nothing better to do with my life than tweaks in the world and ask why. <laughs> they said, so I said, why aren't you showing fences anywhere near me? And they said it's scheduled for release in your area on a 24th of uh, February, so I said, well, they said, "Oh, they said it's a staggered release." 
Mm-hmm. Like, the reply said, that's a stupid decision. Why, why, what's a staggered release? Why are you doing that? And they said it was down to the distributors. So the distributors wanted half the country to see it before the other half. I think what probably happens is they look at what else is out and they go, fuck, we're releasing our movie at the same weekend as, say, Fifty Shades Darker or whatever it was called. And they go, we're not going to even try and compete with that. We'll miss out on money. We'll wait until that's died down a bit and then release the film. Yeah, but they have to actually produce copies of the film. They come. Yeah, they don't. They're all fucking digital with the code. Yeah, but they they come by... What's the courier? Not DHL. Anyway, uh, they come on a hard drive, encrypted hard drive. They don't come over the internet. Yeah, but why would they? Why yeah. would they release it in some parts of the country first? Because say they've made then... five hundred hard drive copies of the film, they send those out to the five hundred cinemas. Yeah, but but like it's not to do. I don't think it's to do with the actual logistical distribution, is it? It's that if they send it to a cinema that's got you know fifteen screens. And it's going to be fine. That can be shown on the release weekend because it'll be in a big city. Lots of people go there. It's not actually competing with stuff like Fifty Shades of Grey. If they send it to a tiny, pokey little cinema world that's got five screens, for example, they know the majority of people will want to go and see uh, Fifty Shades of Grey that weekend because that's going to be the big money spinner. And so it's going to have like two screenings on at that time. Then it'll fall out of the cinema. So rather than do that, they just leave it and then release it when the the buzz for the previous film has quietened down a bit. So yeah, they but, but, sort but, of stagger but, it around the country. That just seems stupid to me. It is. It is ridiculous because um, the people that will probably want to see something like Fences, uh, if they don't see it at their little sort of local cinema, they're either not going to bother or they'll just go find a, a sort of picture house or something. So. Or they'll get it illegally. So, well, it's or possibly download it illegally. Or torrent it. Or torrent it, exactly. Uh, but so. anyway, uh, I would, out of those, I think I would think and would want a rival. Okay. But it's tough. Out the ones I've seen, which are three of them, they're all very good. It's all very difficult. I think a rival would but we'll win. I think mm. that's what I want to out of those. Uh, I didn't really think to that much of the script for Arrival. I didn't think or screenplay. Sorry, I mean I. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of torn because it's the only one of those that I have seen. Um, so I'm kind of want it to win just because I don't know how it compares to the others. What I think will win though is Moonlight. Because over the past couple of weeks, people haven't stopped talking about how exceptional it is. Um, so I'm very curious about it. And I think it's probably going to be the one that wins. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. How about uh, you, Brooke? What do you reckon? Uh, I, I think Moonlight will take it. Mm-hmm. I've seen everything on that list. Yeah. And I think Moonlight will take it. And I want Moonlight to take it as well. Okay. I, I adored that film. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And it's not to say the others are bad. I liked Lion. I liked <laughs> Hidden Figures. I liked Fences. I really liked Arrival. None of them are bad. Mm-hmm. But like Hidden Figures, I I really enjoyed up until like the last 15 minutes, which seemed to just be pointless and just a waste of time. 
Fences was great, but it was just Denzel being Denzel. You know, he's the king of the angry monologue. <laughs> and that's all he did for two hours was just do angry monologues. <clears throat> Lion was good, I suppose, but not what it was advertised. I expected to see a damn sight more of Dev Patel than I actually saw. Well, that's the weird thing, because he was nominated as a supporting actor. Yeah, because he's, no, he's nowhere even close to the lead in that. Yeah, which is odd. I, he's all over the, yeah. the trailers and everything. Yep. I thought it was going to be like five minutes or you know, half an hour set in India and then the entire film, him looking for his parents. And no, mm. it's not. Not at all. Uh, I loved Arrival. I thought it was great, but nah. Up against Moonlight, not a chance. So, Paul, what are the experts saying? Well, I mean, for me personally, first of all, I've, I've mm-hmm. seen some of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Which gives you an indication of how I felt. You're uh, just like this grumpy old dude with ADD. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I get it out the way now. I, I just want to pick up on, on Arrival. So this was adapted from a, from a book, was it, originally? Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, book, I don't know if it's a short story okay. or something. In the book, do you think somewhere halfway through they went, I know, let's get some soldiers to jump on, blow something up, and then their, and their motivation being, yeah, they've been watching too much telly. Because that <laughs> fucking happened in the middle of that film. And at that point I went, are you fucking kidding me? This is the laziest <laughs> storytelling I think I've ever witnessed. And people are jizzing over this film. It's the best of the year. It's utter fucking bollocks. Um, for me... Well, Moonlight's going to win, obviously, but I'd really like Lion to win because I quite enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Arrival, um, it, the, the love for it has... I don't understand where it's come from exactly. And I don't know whether it's just because it was a, a kind of sort of cerebral sci-fi that was released mainstream. Well, it was until and that, that kind point of- when I just thought, this, how lazy is that? You need to progress the story... How can we make this, you know, moment happen? Oh, I know. We'll just let it happen and use a throwaway line to explain it. I thought, what? No. Mm. I, I just found it really insulting. Yeah. But the experts then, are they saying Moonlight as well? Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, Moonlight, one to seven on. Um, so red hot favourite for this. Wow. Um, then Hidden Figures and Arrival at seven to one and the other two are outsiders. Okay. Um, best original screenplay. That one is between uh, Hella High Water, La La Land, The Lobster, Manchester by the Sea, and 20th Century Woman. Women, I think. But the. Um... That's how I pronounce it. <laughs> it's your accent. Um, yeah. Birds. This is... 20th Century this... Birds. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be one of those that's going to be tightly contested, probably almost as much as the, uh, was it the uh, foreign language films that you said was mm-hmm. there was no clear winner? I reckon this is probably close as well, isn't it? Possibly between two possibly. films. Possibly. Mm. Uh, I'm first of all surprised that the lobster's in there. I couldn't make fucking head and a tail of that. It's a load of pretentious bollocks. I... <laughs> The first half of the film is much better than the second half of the film, which seems to be the general consensus. But it wasn't it released in 2015? Oh, and now here it is, 2017 Oscar nominated. Well, I'm sorry, uh, I wouldn't worry States. about these things. Just it confuses me. Yeah. Fucking American release dates. Um, 
Yes. So, Steve, you, you haven't told us what you think and what you want to win. I think Manchester by the Sea is going to win. Okay. I would like the Lobster to win. You, okay. Because it's mental. Yeah, it is, it is absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what about you, Owen? Uh, I think and want Manchester by the Sea to win Kenneth Lonergan's uh, script I thought was the by far the strongest thing about that movie uh, it had a kind of sedate pace to it but all of the the power in it all the strength came from the writing and so we will I will also mention this when we come on to talk a bit about best actor and best supporting actress but the, the, it was the screenplay that stood out for me in uh, Manchester by the Sea. I thought it was a really strong, well-written film. And so, yeah. So I think, and I want it to win as well. Okay, Brooker. I, I think I go with Owen. I think, I think Manchester by the Sea wins it. I think the, I think the Academy give Manchester by the Sea that one and not give it to La La Land because they're going to give La La Land everything else. <laughs> mm. Um cool. But I'd, That's what, yeah. I'd really like Manchester by the Sea to win. Although, I mean, if it came out of nowhere and won, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sad if Hello High Water won something. Because I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I. I mean, in most years, I would have said it's probably going to be. That's got no uh, chance. Not not a chance in hell. It is up against Manchester by the Sea. I've got more of a chance of winning Best Original Screenplay this year than Hello High Water has. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. um, for me, I want Manchester by the Sea to win, and I think Manchester by the Sea is going to win, so I'm in agreement with you guys. The bookies have got it really tight. Manchester by the Sea slightly odds on at 8 to 13, then you've got mm. 11 to 8 on La La Land. My concern is the Academy could kind of want to flip back to the old days where they gave films 12, 13 awards and give La La Land a complete clean sweep of absolutely everything because they've been accused recent in recent years of sort of sharing it around so more mm -hmm. films can put Academy Award winner on their poster I don't know but um, Hell or High Water that's third favourite at 14 to 1 it has got an outside chance yeah well I mean uh, Manchester by the Sea won BAFTAs didn't it and La La Land won Golden Globes so I think it, I, I don't know I just don't think Hell or High Water oh, no, I don't think it will but not, not in any world ever is Hell or High Water going to win that. But it would, of all of those films, actually, it, I wouldn't be unhappy if it won, because it yeah. was actually a really, really good film. Mm -hmm. Like not just like whereas Manchester by the Sea is a good Oscar film, Hell or High Water is a genuinely brilliant film. Uh, so yeah, next best supporting actress that's between Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight. Nicole Kidman for Lion, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. Owen, what do you think for this one? Uh, what do I think? I think Viola Davis. Um, I think she's the one that stands out the most on that list. Uh, what I would want, only, again, this comes down to the fact it's the only one I've seen would be Michelle Williams. But... I didn't think she was all that. In fact, I was surprised that she was nominated. She's barely in it. Yeah. She gets like 15 minutes in the entire film. Yeah, she's not that good. She's not. 
No. I do no, like her very much. She's I think not good, she's... I think, is unfair, but she just doesn't get any good lines. She doesn't get any good moments. She just. There's, she's just there. Think, she's a plot I think point. She's here for one particular scene. Yeah. I think there's one scene that's earned her this nomination. And I, like I said, I, I think she's she's a really good actress, but in this, she's. I don't know. It's like a nomination because of one moment. Like Tom Hanks getting fucking Captain Phillips because he cried a bit at the end. It's just fuck off. I um, I would like Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures to win, but I think it's going to be Naomi Harris from Moonlight. Okay. Mm. Um, I really liked Hidden Figures. Um, I thought there's some really good performances in there, um, but. Yeah, mm. I think mm. not seen Moonlight, but just from what I've heard, I think Naomi Harris will take that. Um, Brooker, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I think I, I'm trying to think. I I think Viola Davis takes it, mm-hmm. and I kind of think I want her to take it as well. And Naomi Harris is awesome in Moonlight; she's really good, uh, and. Octavia Spencer's great. I don't really think Nicole Kidman deserves to be on that list. And like we said already, I don't think Michelle Williams does. But Viola Davis is the best thing about Fences. She is awesome in Fences. Like I, and I haven't seen her in that much. I suddenly realised as I was writing my review yesterday afternoon that I don't actually know much of what she's been in that isn't Suicide Squad. <laughs> I was going to say, surely you know her from one yeah. thing, Brooker. Yeah. That's what I mean. The soon-to-be Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I I thought she absolutely blew me away. Like I said, like Denzel Washington was just being Denzel Washington, but she was just amazing to watch. She was so so good on the screen. She has to have that award. She has to. Well, uh, I actually when I sent in my predictions earlier to mm-hmm. you. Uh, I'm actually going to change who I want to win it because you're right. Michelle Williams, she she wasn't in Manchester by the Sea that much. Um, so I'd like Nicole Kidman to win it because she looked like she managed to make herself look like Madge from Neighbours <laughs> in Lion. <Okay>. Right. <laughs> um, however, Viola Davis is one to 50 on. It's the, I think Fucking this must hell. be the shortest price ever. So you, you need to bet £50 to win one. So oh, that's pretty much locked in and uh, and a done deal. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, best supporting actor is between uh, Mahershala Ali from Moonlight, Jeff Say Bridges. Say that again. Sorry, I've already done it once. Mahershala Ali. Yeah, him. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bridges for Hell High Water, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for Lion, and Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. Um, I've still not seen Nocturnal Animals. Um, out of, I wouldn't bother. So, okay, no. fair enough. <laughs> um, out of those, I think we're going to see an award for Jeff Bridges, and um, yeah, why not? I'd like to see that as well. Um, Owen, I don't really uh, have much of an opinion on any of these. Really, I think, I think. Marshala, 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 there we go, that one, uh, Ali from Moonlight, I think, 
probably want Michael Shannon just because I like Michael Shannon. That's really it. <laughs> That's all I've got on that one. I because I haven't seen these films, is it? Other than uh, Manchester by the Sea, and I did. I, Lucas Hedges was a kind of nothing performance for me. If Paul can nominate someone because they look like a character from Neighbours, I'm going to pick one just well, because um, I like the normal. Decent criteria is pretty much all out the window at that point, really, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why they nominated her in the first place. Well, because she looked like Madge from Neighbours. There's no other reason <laughs> for it to be on that list. Meh. She did look like Madge from Neighbours, though. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Brooker. I th- I'm... I'm almost certain Mahashala Ali takes that award. He's so good in Moonlight for as little as he's in it. He is really very good. Mm. I, d- I think I want him to take it. I think I want him to take it, and I think he takes it. Although, I, I mean, I wouldn't say no to Dev Patel. He was good as the supporting actor in Lion. Pfft. Yeah, Lucas Hedges was... I don't I don't know why he's there. Nocturnal Animals was a bag of shit. I I don't think it deserved any nominations at all. And, you know, Jeff Bridges is great just being Jeff Bridges. That's all he was. He was great. Mm. It's it's absolutely Mahashala Ali. Um, I've seen all of these and can't really... Well, m- most of Moonlight. I, I don't really... Uh, <sighs> don't really care. Um, <laughs> I, I think this this is going to be the one where the three white dudes, well, they can fuck off because it's a, it's a two horse race, and uh, Mahashala Ali is is well out in front of one to seven on, Dev Patel second favourite at sort of six sixes and sevens, and the rest of them all sort of twenties thirty threes. Um, so yeah, Mahashala Ali should win this one comfortably. And if you had to pick a think, or sorry, a want, if you had to, if you were forced um, to choose it. Probably Lucas Hedges. Oh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe it was just me then. I mean, uh, the no, performance. Yeah. You didn't think much of him either. Well, no, it's not that I didn't think much of him. I thought a bit like, a, a bit like the chick. They, they were just, they were plot points for Casey Affleck to make facial expressions at. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not much to it outside. You know, Casey Affleck's the standout for, mm-hmm. for Manchester by the Sea. The rest of them were just there. There's um there is one performance that's missing here, which uh, Booker will probably dispute. But Aaron Taylor Johnson in Nocturnal Animals, he won the Golden Globe, is not even nominated at the Oscars. So um, I forgot I've, he was in it. Yeah, I've seen this and I actually can't remember anything about it. This is my point exactly. I I had no idea he was in it. I didn't recognise him when he was on screen, and I I looked at him and went, oh yeah, he was that guy. Is this the one with the book where the bloke wrote the book? Yeah, so it's it's the, it's the book based on the real thing. That so it's like three different timelines in the same film, oh, but it starts with fat naked chicks. Okay. Absolute bollocks! Mm. One of the worst films I saw <laughs> um, last year. Um, up now is the Big Four awards, um, starting with Best Actress. Um, so that is between Isabel Huppert, Huppert for L. Uh, Ruth Negger for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Yep, <laughs> that one. I can't quite get my head around how um, Meryl Streep is in this and nobody from Hidden Figures is. Because she's Meryl Streep, darling. Everyone loves Meryl. 
because she's Meryl Streep, she needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a couple of others that hit people from Hidden Figures could be in the pub in this category as well. Um, so it seems a bit of a disappointment mm. that's been overlooked. Saying that, I think it's pretty obvious that Emma Stone's going to win this one. Um, out of those, I've probably only ever... Yeah, I think you know, Natalie Portman I'd like to win, but I think Emma Stone will. I just don't want Emma Stone... I don't want La La Land to win anything. Is you not a fan? It, it was fine, but it was entertaining enough, but I just don't think it's worthy of Oscar hype. It's just a, it's just a really bog-standard, predictable, boring plot jazzed up with a bit of singing and dancing. Mm, that's a very good description of it, actually. Um, not that I'm surprised, of course. I just mean that it's spot on. That's exactly how I felt as well. Um, so Yes, it's, uh, Emma Stone will win it. I'd like that to be too, but it'll probably be Emma Stone. Um, Owen? Yeah, I've gone for exactly the same. I, th- I think Emma Stone. I would rather Natalie Portman. Um, but, yeah. Brooker, any advances? Nah, pretty much the same. I, I didn't think much to loving at all. Uh, I thought Ruth Negger was great, but she was just... Yeah, I, the film mm. the film wasn't that good. The the film was completely one hundred percent predictable at every single turn, and if it had come out last year, it wouldn't be anywhere near the Oscars. Mm. And, and if it came out next year, it won't, won't be anywhere near the Oscars either. <laughs> and Paul, what about I, you and the bookies? Well, I would like Isabel Hooper to win it um, for uh, what's it L. L, yeah. Very rapey. <laughs> yep. It's the only reason you want her to win, so you can keep saying rape. <laughs> well, she's raped, and then later on, as the film goes on, I think she's quite enjoying it, um, which is going to be very controversial. I'm surprised, to be fair, that the Academy have included it just because of, of that. Um, Doesn't she, like, fall in love with the person who raped her when she was younger or something like that? Or abused her or something weird. Yeah, the, no, no I, I don't want to spoil it. So you, you just okay, to, yeah, yeah, don't tell me. Yeah, that. you're yeah. just gonna have to. You just have to watch it. With, but there's a lot of raping Owen, so I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, a lot of raping Owen. Oh dear. No. Because <laughs> all the but, Owens, every yeah, Owen is raped. And I, I think Emma Stone's going to win it. As for the bookies, uh, Emma Stone, red hot favourite, one to six on, and then uh, Natalie Portman. You can get five to one. Uh, Isabel Hooper, ten to one, and Ruth Negger and Meryl Streep rank outsiders. There's no way Streep's winning this. No. <laughs> okay. Um, best actor is between Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington for Fences. It's going to be Ryan Gosling for La La Land. I would like it to be Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, but it's, it's going to be Ryan Gosling because he danced yeah. about a bit. <laughs> hmm. uh, I I just have a feeling it's a two-horse race again with Manchester by the Sea and La La Land. I, I'm kind of expecting Casey Affleck to get it. I kind of think he will. But of the two, I preferred Ryan Gosling, and I think that there's not that Casey Affleck was fine; he was good. I he had a much better character and script to work with, so he seemed to be elevated above 
um, most of the performances because mm. of what he was working with. Uh, whereas Ryan Gosling, there was, there was, I do like Gosling anyway, and he was one of my favourite things about La La Land. Uh, I just think he's kind of cool as fuck sometimes. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Casey Affleck will just get the the nudge ahead of him there. Okay, Brooker. Yeah, that that that's Casey Affleck's award, I reckon. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure he takes it, and I I want him to take it as well. I don't. I've not even seen. I hadn't heard of Captain Fantastic until it was nominated. I don't even know what it is. It. Uh, I've heard some people absolutely detested it. I've seen it. Some, yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually all right. Yeah, it's, about, it's it's this weird film about a guy and his family who live like um, kind of off the grid, mm-hmm. and the wife dies, and the him and his like five kids, literally they just live in the woods, um, are pulled back into society, into society, and there's this whole fish out of water thing. I, I found it really interesting, but yeah, not uh, n- not for an Oscar. But it is Vigo, isn't it? So, yeah, it was good, um, but it's, it's yeah. worth watching. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I love fish out of water stuff, so maybe I'm being biased here. So, so what do you think then, Paul? Well, I can tell you that shit cunt Gosling isn't going to win because he's twenty to one. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's a two horse race between uh, Casey Affleck and Denzel Washington. Um, for me personally, I, I want Andrew Garfield to win, which he won't. Um, and Casey Affleck, I think, will, but it's really tight. Casey Affleck four to six on. Uh, Denzel mm-hmm. Washington six to four, so that's really tight between the two of them. As I said, Gosling you can get twenty to one, Garfield you can get fifty to one, and if you really want to punt, Vigo Mortensen at one hundred and twenty-five to one. Wow. wow, okay, that's a, an outsider then. Mm, a real Sutton United of a bet. Mm. <laughs> um, on to best director then. So you have Dennis Villeneuve for Arrival, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. I think it's going to be Dennis Villeneuve for Arrival. I would love it to be Mel Gibson winning an Oscar for Best Director because he's just gone mental. <laughs> but for no yeah. reason, and that not necessarily because I think he's been the best director, I just think it'd be great. I think it'd be entertainment value. Mm. It's an interesting choice of what you think will win, though. But Denis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve, or whatever his <laughs> name is supposed to be pronounced. Let, let me years. just piss on Steve's parade. That's the hundred to one outsider. Yeah, that, that was right. that was never ever ever going to happen. Wow, uh, it's locked in as well, now, Steve. So you know, can't change your mind. I just, I just, I liked Manchester by the Sea, but it was just so fucking bleak. I thought it's it's one of those films that I'd never watch again. No matter how good it was, mm. I just I just don't think I'd get anything from watching it again, other than make myself miserable. Yeah, one of those that you could describe as being objectively well put together, but not yeah. especially. But not good. Uh, it's not a good film. Not it's a, yeah, it's maybe. a well-made film, but it's not one that I want to watch. Yeah, exactly. No, I felt the same no, way as Steve. No, I liked it's, it. It's, but it's, it's I a good. Don't. It's a good film. It's one that I wanted to watch. It's just one that I'd never want to watch again. Mm-hmm. Because it was that bloody miserable. But most of the time I watch films I want to enjoy myself. Um, I think there's room in the world for both sorts of movies. Sometimes you just want to see something that's a bit more... I mean, there's room in the world for a John Wick 2. And there's room in the world for a Manchester by the Sea. Um, 
and you know part of me would would be kind of interested in watching it again but i wouldn't watch it for like to cheer myself up i'd watch it because i want to see how a film like that is done again and look at it a bit more closely perhaps but i think there's a different value to be got from it on a second watch oh so what do you go for owen uh, so, uh, yeah, so what I th- what I want is Manchester by the Sea. What I think will win is La La Land. I, I it's it's hard to look past it. It's I think it is again just another two horse race. I don't think Gibson will get it. <laughs> just I'm surprised to see his name on the list of best directors anyway. Uh, even though Hacksaw Ridge, I haven't seen it, so I don't want to be too disparaging of it. But it looked like. Forrest Gump with war. I just thought I can't be doing with that. And uh, Barry Jenkins as well from Moonlight. Again, another film is being reviewed spectacularly, but I just think it's just another two-horse race. I think it's probably going to be Damien Chazelle's, this one. Okay. Um, Brooker? Yeah, Damien Chazelle takes that. There's no two ways about it. And Paul... And what do you want, though, Brooke? Oh, what I want Axel Ridge to win. I really want Mel Gibson to take it because the film was fucking amazing and it would be awesome to see just Mel Gibson collecting an Oscar after all the shit he's been through. Well, yeah. no, after all the shit he's created for himself. Let's put that I was right. going to say, he <laughs> didn't accidentally stumble into that shit, did he? Well, no, he didn't. So all the shit that he's created for himself <laughs> and he's somehow managed to get an Oscar nom with the first film he directs after. With, let's just be honest, he's managed to get himself a, a directorial role again mm. after all that, which, you know, that don't happen easily. So I, I think he's done a really good job, and I'd like I'd kill to see him win that. But no, it's definitely, it goes to La La Land. Yeah, well, I'm with, I'm with Brooke. I, I'd, I'd love to see Hacksaw Ridge to get it. It's probably, of all the... The Oscar noms we've seen is the only one uh, we talked about this earlier. It's the only one that's actually entertaining. (laughs) It's about people being blown to bits. That's that's how bad it is this year. Your entertainment is seeing people literally blown to smithereens. Um, But I think that La La Land will win it. Um, As for the bookies, as we've already mentioned, the uh, absolutely horrendous arrival is quite rightly one hundred to one rank outsider. La La Land is you is as short as one to thirty three on. However, I will mention Betfair, which is a much more fluid market. Um, they're sneaking in as one to ten on, and and the, the second favourite Moonlight is creeping up. It's it's nine and a half to one. But they're still a ways apart, but that price that 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 market can change considerably. So I think I think the Betfair price is probably more realistic than the thirty three to one on that others are offering. So Moonlight is the second favourite, did you say? Yeah. Not Manchester by the no, Sea? that's out at 20 That's interesting. One. If you oh. fancy Manchester by the Sea, get a 10 or on at 20 to 1. Hacksaw Ridge at 40s and, as I said, arrival at 100. Mm. OK. Uh, now for the big one, best picture. Um, and that is between Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, uh, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight. I think it's going to be, unfortunately, La La Land. I would like it to have been out of those ones I've seen. I think probably Manchester by the Sea, actually. Um, yeah? Yeah. Not Arrival? Because I know that you did like it 
Yeah, thinking about it and the and the stick I got for the last one, no, I'll change my mind on that. <laughs> so um yeah, it's gonna be la la land though, isn't it? Yeah. Um I've... just encouraging more people to make musicals. Yes, yeah, stop it. Do. Um mm. Owen Yeah, same. Again, both in terms of think La La Land, want Manchester by the Sea. And I mean, all these films we've talked about extensively already. Yeah. It's just no literally case of saying which one of all of them is, like, your favourite, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Brooker? Of course La La Land wins. Of course, the, yeah. Hollywood just loves films that let them masturbate to themselves into their own hands to rub all over themselves. And that's what <laughs> La La Land does. Lovely just imagery. masturbatory nonsense for fucking Hollywood dickheads. Of um, course, yeah. La La Land wins. What I want but, to win is anything but La La Land. Okay. Anything but Suicide well, Squad. Well, I have to break it to you, Booker. It's not on the. Um... Still better than fucking La La Land, though. Well, are you? <laughs> what about Hacksaw Ridge then? You... I, I mean, I'd love Hacksaw Ridge to win. I would. I realistically, I would. Enjoy, I'd be happy to see Manchester by the Sea win it. I just don't want La La Land to win. But yeah, that's what takes it. There's no doubt about it. Mm, mm, I agree. Okay. I, I would quite like Manchester by the Sea to win too. Um, but I think that La La Land will win. Um, the bookies, most mm-hmm. of them have got La La Land as 1 to 10 on. Um, Moonlight's the second favourite. Hidden Figures, it's, it's, that's price is shortening. It's into 12 to 1 in places, along with Manchester by the Sea at 12 to 1. The rest, Lion 50, Fences 125, Hacksaw Ridge 125, Arrival out at 150 to 1, and Hell or High Water at 200 to 1. The interesting thing is, again, Betfair, which is this is an exchange. This is members of the public betting. It's mm-hmm. much more fluid than a traditional bookie. La La Land is now down into one to five, and Moonlight is sneaking in there. The price is shortening up, eleven to two. It's possible it could, you know, mm-hmm. the tide could turn late doors, and, and Moonlight could uh, could overtake it. But it's unlikely. But it's you reckon? Possible. What, do, what do you reckon the chances on the Academy going? We can't have another Oscar so white thing. Give well, it that's to the what black I'm thinking. That's film. what I reckon that the people on Betfair, who you know, these are. These are smart people betting on that. That's the site to look at for the for the actual price, rather than what the you know what your traditional high street bookie are going for. You got you have to remember these markets. You can't multiply them, so you can't bet and you can't pick ten different categories and and do an accumulator like you do on the football. They'll only accept singles, so they can never actually lose any money on this market, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I find a bit of a joke because most years I'll get all but one. And I find it really irritating. See, I'd, I'd actually have a bet if I could put a multiple on. Mm-hmm. But you can't, so I don't. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, interesting. I mean, Moonlight was, of course, the, at the Golden Globes, won drama and La La Land won comedy or musical. So it makes sense that those are the two favourites. There's always one film, isn't there, that gets closer to the date yep. that suddenly yeah, comes I, up out of nowhere. Keep an eye on that. That mm. could shorten in, in, during the week. Anyway... Uh, that is all for our Oscars uh, preview. Uh, so you can join us next week to find out how we got on, who done the best, who done the worst, and what won the big awards on night. Uh, before we head off, it's time to do some recommendations for films for the week ahead. 
I'm going to go with Netflix and something based on the title alone called Nazi Vengeance. Uh, Played by by Nightmare, the journalist undergoes regression therapy, which reveals his past life as a Nazi now stalked by a presence bent on revenge. Is this a... What the hell is it? A comedy? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it. It stars Matt Drake. Are you recommending this on the basis you haven't watched it yet? Yeah. Excellent. Um, Yeah. So that is is what people should go and watch on Netflix (laughs) this week. Um, Owen? Uh, I have a little tiny story before I do this. I am interviewing one James Mullinger for something. Never heard of him soon. Yeah, that comedian. He um, is your co-host, Mr. Paul Field, on Underground Nights. Oh, that's Slice from Maidenhead. The Slice from Maidenhead who is uh, living it up in Canada as a proper professional comedian. As research, I've watched almost everything he's put on his YouTube channel and some of the stuff that's on other YouTube channels about him. And he's really fucking good, A, at comedy, and B, at reviewing movies. His movie show stuff is... Because he had a TV show on uh, Comedy Central. He's, He's not mentioned it. No, he doesn't talk about it often, does he? But it was it was really good. I watched some of the reviews and laughed my ass off through them. So um, one of the things that he also has uh, on YouTube is him interviewing Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek. And it really put me in the mood to watch Desperado. So I had a look on um, the TV guide and on Movies for Men on Friday at 10 to 11 is Desperado. Wow. So okay. watch that. Well, I've picked something that the plebs can watch who can't afford DVDs and Blu-rays and Netflix, which is on the the BBC iPlayer. Mm. Um, it's called. Still the... need a TV license though. Oh, do they? Oh, mm. fuck. Sorry, I, I apologise to the uh, to all, <laughs> all the, the benefit squad. Benefit squad who listen to our show. I know you're all out there. It's it's. Think of it. It's like Jeremy Kyle. This this show. It's it's called the Scottish Bounty Hunter. It's about a bloke from Breakin who moves to the States and becomes a bounty hunter. That's all you need to know. Amazing. Okay, and Brooker? Uh, actually, you know what? Talking about iPlayer, this is a, a, a documentary. I don't watch many documentaries, but there's a documentary on iPlayer that I think Paul put me onto called Zero Days, which is the a documentary about the Stuxnet virus from a couple of years ago, which is very, very, very interesting if you're into that kind of thing. And kind of paranoia fuel, if you're into that kind of thing. I would go and watch that. Okay. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at Failed Critics and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Failed Critics. Thanks for listening. It's time to begin our run-through of the Oscar nominations for 2017 um, and what we think will win, what we want to win as the Oscars are coming. What's the actual date of the Oscars? 
Sunday, isn't it? Sunday. 28th, 27th, something like that. Who's going to be up live tweeting that? All four of us will be up watching the stream all evening. I know that because we all fully prep for the show the day after. Totally yeah. committed. I'll even Sky Plus it and watch it again. <laughs> no, anyway, um, on to the film itself. So um, we're going to start with best picture. That is between... No, Steve. No? No, we literally just spent like five minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we're going the opposite way. Go backwards, Steve. <laughs> when did that happen? You were, we, we were talking about now. <laughs> I don't think that was when I was on the call. We literally just literally said we were going to start like at the bottom ago. and work Can our way start? up. Because <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> all right. Fucking hell. Shambolic. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 